way possible i think you'd agree with me he's a wrecking ball he he does come in like a wrecking ball he's a miley cyrus <laughs> yeah he's a, he's a real miley cyrus that he's a character he's got I an achy breaky heart i think that's what people described him as after last after last thing game that we played who goes there um it's it's no news to people who listen to the podcast by now. If you listen to enough episodes, you know that I play a giant game in my large, empty, labyrinthine mansion that I currently live in and am moving out of. Uh, more on that later. <laughs> um, we, we use this giant empty house as a battlefield for a, a kind of escape room-esque murder mystery uh, horror game of sorts, survival game. Yeah. And um, I invite pretty much anyone who's been on the podcast over to play. And um, It's a real who's who it's, of it's, lots of pasta. It's really fun, though. Yeah. And everyone has a lot of good stuff to say about it. And, you know, I'm not going to let the game die no matter where I go. Uh, I'm going to find ways to make it work. It'll, th- it'll be... I'm going to go on a limb. It'll be franchised in the next, like, five <laughs> years. You'll have... Uh, whatever the game is called yeah. in your town that you can go and like play with like some randos who don't know how to run it. Yeah. I'm also thinking of different like game modes, but we'll, we'll get there mm-hmm. some t- at some point. Um, and let's just, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that where am I was <coughs> intoxicated for the entirety of the last time we played. <laughs> and, um, he made a lot of what I would say are bad decisions (laughs) about how to play the game. Um, Some borderline cheating decisions. And um, the only words used to describe him later that evening were... Holy shit. That that guy's a real character. (laughs) What a champ. What a guy. What a a bud. So, um... I'm I'm currently moving out of of my basement that I've been talking about. I'm Vinny waxing the grocery store, <laughs> and I I've been talking about this fucking basement. Hot tech 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 tech. I'm done now. I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> you are <all> know <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm good. So um. This basement means a lot to me. I have so many memories here. The 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 show started here. So many other things have been filmed here, yep. experienced here. Uh, like this specific room has so much fucking juice in it, <laughs> and that's the best way I can There's say. There's a lot of juice. There's a lot of juice here, and um, don't turn on a blacklight. And it's covered in juice. <laughs> so much I'm just thinking about OJ Simpson though. <laughs> He's been living here. 
How's your roommate, OJ? He's great. He's cool? Okay, cool. He's good. There was that thing. Don't tell I, the cops. Have you heard about the thing with him? You heard about the thing, I know. Right? It was the thing. It's a thing. That's fine. That's fine. He's a nice guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Moving out of here is, you know, it's it's a step in life. I'm not too sad about it anymore. Um, I just want to... I've been living... You know, they say walking on eggshells. I've been living on eggshells for the past two and a half years. Like, I can't really make this place my own as much as I couldn't really abandon it. Yeah. Or treat it like You've shit. been in limbo. I've been in limbo for yeah. two and a half years. Um, the podcast has been on a bit of a hiatus. I'm sure everyone's going to notice that there's been like a two week gap between episodes instead of a one week gap. There's some larger than others. The episodes have been coming out very spontaneously. Um, people don't really care. They're bearing with me. I know two people asked where the last week's episode was. I'm sorry. I, I don't feel like I have to apologize, but I'm going to apologize. Two people texted me and said, where, where's the episode? Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Where the fuck is last week's episode? Yeah, I'm still editing it. Three people have asked him. Three people have Three now people asked update where last count. week's episode. Three people. And Leave it in the comments below if you'd like to see, <laughs> if you'd like a new like, post. Subscribe, follow. Hey guys, hit that like button. Kill yourself. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh I'm a fucking mess. <laughs> like, uh, so much stuff in life is just going on right now, and the, the podcast has to fall wayside for me to pull my life together at the moment. So, I appreciate everyone's uh, concern and patience, and I thank you for giving me some time to pull my shit together. Can I just say, heartfelt, and you, and you can edit this out if you want to. Uh, I've known you for a while, right? Yeah. And sometimes... Life kind of takes a shit on you. Yeah. That's it. That's the end of the thought. I just want to... <laughs> I just want you to know. <laughs> I... I'm feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling it. There was no upswing to that. Nope. That was it. Yeah. Sometimes life takes a shit on you, yeah. folks. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get an episode for three weeks. <laughs> let's, let's... Fucking I'll, deal with it. I'll say that. And yeah, no, more to the point, deal with it. Deal with it. <clears throat> that's kind of been my... Mantra? That's been my thing for a long time. Deal with you it. Know, even when I was animating things and, you know, putting out videos on other uh, platforms, when people would ask why a video wasn't up on a day that I said a video was going to be up, I'd just be like, it's not up yet. Deal with it. <laughs> you know? So that's that's where we're at yeah. <laughs> with the show right now. You just got to deal with it. Update. Deal with it. Um, I'm here, of course, with Django Phillips. Shango! I, uh... Your episodes have been, like, ever since we restarted Baraska, mm -hmm. like, 50-some 50, 50 views. Ah, cool. All cool. at once. As I was telling you before. <laughs> all at once. Um, so this weekend, and like this week, I was drinking pretty heavy. So right now, like... That's right. Captain Death's kicking back. And I'm like, uh, kind of staying, staying sober. And, He's uh... Evanescence. So when you turn off this episode in like the next 40 seconds, um, <laughs> you'll know why. Because this is a sober episode. This is gonna be... A half sober the episode. The most sober Baraska episode we've yeah. had yet. And, and that, I'm gonna fucking that hate it. And that being said... <laughs> That being said, 
when we originally finished the story in episode three, it's probably been the most shit-faced we ever were. Oh my god. Because we had to come back and do an addendum at the end of the episode. I don't even remember the end. I remember they were throwing babies in a well. That's okay. In a machine well. That <laughs> was it. We're continuing the story today. This is, um... Ah, shit. What part even is this? Part three. Part three this of the... This is part three of the new the section. New so this is episode six of what is going to be a seven episode series. The longest series we have. I'll say it like that. It's going to be the longest series we have. You recently just, um... Your last episode... What's your 20th episode? Congrats, bud. Wow. You're the first person oh, to reach yeah. 20 episodes. What? Yeah. <sighs> 20 wait, episodes. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Um, I'm holding. Hold on. Hold on. This episode is brought to you by Citizen Cider. Hold on. I was uh, gifted two beautiful cans by Franz McBoohoo when he visited me from the Great hold White on. North. And um, I'm sorry. Did you say 20th episode? 20th episode. So much more underwhelming than I thought it was going to be, so I like it even more. Yay! I thought it was going to be one of those, like, where'd you find that? Like, like remixes with, <laughs> Damn, like, the, son. the horns, like... Where'd you find this? 20th episode! No, it was just the birthday sound. It was sound. just the sad... Yay! It's the like... unenthusiastic <laughs> yay. It's the edutainment games in the 90s when you got yeah. a right answer. Yeah. Yay! Like, four pieces of confetti. <laughs> <laughs> no cannons, just like someone just. <laughs> oh God! So uh, yeah, we're we're s- relatively sober. I mean, I'm gonna start drinking more and smoking, but Django's t- taking it clean. We've had some sober episodes before, folks. This isn't anything new. I don't believe you. Well, remember, I was trying to get the J-O-B at one point, and I had to stop smoking. Oh, that J-O-B. For a solid, like, three months. That Let's shout back out to, like, I'm going to say somewhere in the 70s episodes, like, 65 to, like, 80 were probably my sober period. Sober time. J-O-B. <laughs> reverse it. Take out the B. You know what you get. How's your roommate doing? How's he? Is he good? <laughs> I thought we were trying to say something about BJ's at one point, and then I was like, oh no, we're back to OJ. We're back to talking about OJ. <laughs> if it doesn't fit, it quit! <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we're here, Lots of Pasta, episode 131. Um, newsflash, I've already recorded, like, four episodes after this. <laughs> it's just taken, it's taken a bit of time, scheduling-wise, for me to pull my shit together to get you here on this couch um to and do, now to do this next part i'm done with finals yeah uh, I'm, I'm ready to go your life is your life is definitely uh it's a some, roller coaster somewhere yeah it's a thing else somewhere yep. else than where mine is <laughs> well i don't know i wouldn't say that <laughs> you um no we're both turning a new leaf look metaphorically or physically we're all trying to find an attic to live in you yeah. know, mine is mine is a metaphor. Yours is physical. That's, that's the opposite of where I live right now. But yeah, that's what you need to move into now—an attic. I need to get into an attic. Yeah. If there's no house below it, even better. If it's just the attic, like if it's like exposed stairs up to an attic, perf. A treehouse. 
A tree. You house. need to live in a tree I need house. To live in a tree house. Like the one in like Nebraska, <laughs> and then fade in, fade in. We're gonna fade in the episode right here. Nebraska, and then cut to black. All right. Good. Perf. What's the What's the rhyme that they that they say at the uh, here at the triple Baraska, tree? Baraska, something, something. Take it up, Baraska. <laughs> If the, the you get a drink, the gentleman waits for me. Waits for you. Get a sandwich. <laughs> Are you hangry? Are you just angry? All the king's horses Do you and want all a nap? the king's men yeah. came back to Baraska to take my babies again. <laughs> this town is a baby mill. Whoops. No, wait. <laughs> Don't scratch that. Me. Still. Last line. Here we go. Baraska. Nailed it. Yep. Nailed it. Um, so we're going to start uh, the, not a newsflash, uh, the Baraska like part five is technically split into chapters. So if you are uh, acquainted with the story, we are starting at chapter 10 on this episode and uh, we'll just see how far we get. Let's see how far we get. Yeah. Um, episodes are going to be a little bit shorter moving forward because I'm sick of editing. <laughs> two and a half hour long episodes. <laughs> so we're going to, you and I have been on a steady, on a steady like hour and a half and I'm going to try to keep us to that. Okay, cool. Maybe even less. So let's do it. You got it. You do it. Chapter 10. Kimber stirred next to me before I could stop her. She rolled onto her back and started to sit up. Whoa, slow down. Easy, easy. What happened? She looked down at her sweater in a panic. Did I get shot? Yeah, with a taser. You can thank Jimmy Prescott for that one. Oh my god. Oh my god, Sam. Are you okay? Did he... What happened? I'm fine. Kimber stood up and looked around the room. He's gone? Yes. Okay. Listen, Sam. I, I waved my hand dismissively. I know why you did what you did, Kimber. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Prescott is a key player and it's smart. <laughs> To listen to someone that high who wants to flip Informer. Informer? <laughs> yes. I hate that song so fucking much. But was it worth it? Did he give you any good information? He gave us the location of the new camp that they're using. So it's true. Kemper said excitedly. Do you trust him? No. But I trust these coordinates are correct, and I trust that he really does want the sheriff out. Did he tell you anything else? She asked. I couldn't admit to her that after everything she had done to protect me from it, I'd found out the truth anyway. No. Just a lot of bullshit and random tangents, you know Jimmy. So what's the plan? We go in there guns blazing? Yes. Liar. <laughs> she wouldn't be coming on this particular suicide mission. When? As soon as I get my package from Chicago. As soon as I get you somewhere safe. <laughs> His inner voice will be, uh... <laughs> His inner voice is uh, is going to be played tonight by uh, a 50-year-old smoker <laughs> who has uh, no clue what story we're reading. As soon as we have a plan. Okay, and did he say anything about Kyle? I didn't have the heart to say it out loud. I simply shook my head. Kimber nodded and was quiet for a few minutes. I watched her inner struggle. I remembered Kimber well enough to recognize that she was searching for something inside, something to fight for. It was such a Kimber thing to do. Okay. She finally nodded. Okay, what do we do now? We need to inventory what's in the trunk so I know what I'm working with. 
We. Kimber corrected. Yeah, we. Okay, what else? She asked. Well, I don't think Prescott is the only person who knows what room we're in at this motel. Let's go down to the front desk and see if they'll swap us to a room at the back of the building. On the first floor, if possible. In case a quick escape is needed, we'll keep parking in front, though. Yeah, right. Kimber was nodding. Very clever, Sam. I'm almost impressed. Yeah, I guess I'm smarter than I look. Fucking you know? dipshit. <laughs> Except for the heroin. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. You're different when you're you, you know? Without the drugs, you're cunning. Strategic. It's gonna make all the difference in the end. I don't... I don't agree with this either of This is statements. happening. We are headed towards this. This is going to happen. It feels forced. <laughs> it feels so forced, and it's going to happen. I shrugged. I really didn't know who I was yet. I don't know who this person is either. Because <laughs> the Sam I remember was very brash, did not think about his actions at all, ran into things True. very big-headedly, and got a lot of people hurt because of it. This Sam is very cunning and strategic. I think it's going to make a say. difference. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. The sunlight that covered the walls... Oh, sorry, that was not where I... I shrugged. <laughs> I really didn't know who I was yet. I was cold a lot, very stiff. My movements felt unnatural. The sunlight that covered the walls of the room from dawn until dusk every day was garish and off-putting to me. Everything felt very raw and sharp and unfamiliar, but for the first time in so long, I was able to remember every minute of my day. My motivations were also much clearer and more coherent. Keep the monsters dead, kill my father, and above all, maintain Kimber's safety at all costs. We pulled the car around the back of the building and inventoried Kimber's arsenal that afternoon. There were two bulletproof vests and a 27 guns in total. 27 I fucking hate guns. this detail. I hate this detail. 27? Why do you need 27 guns? Because the guy who you wrote this is 17. He's a 17-year-old boy. And he said, how many guns should they have? 27. And I'm going to write this story because <laughs> 20, everyone wants me to follow 20, up Belasco with guns. another story. <laughs> I just fucked up. <laughs> I, for, all for a joke. One of those accents was a little offensive. <laughs> and one of those accents was extremely accurate. <laughs> 27 guns. Let's 27 see. guns! Seven rifles. Seven. <laughs> Two shotguns. And 18 handguns, including the Beretta I always kept on me. Kimber had 460 rounds of assorted cartridges. And we don't know which of them go to what guns, because no. we have no idea how to use guns. Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Bob Super on. Mario 64. <laughs> I spent most of the following two days pretending to plan with her Blast and core. waiting for my package to arrive from Chicago. Where did this package come from? Chicago. No, I mean, God you damn just, it, I, just, I walked right into it. You just said it. I walked right The last it. word that you said before you asked I me know, was where the But I meant plot-wise. <laughs> Fuck! I was beginning to feel so guilty for planning to leave her behind that I wondered if maybe it was even cruel. She wanted vengeance. She deserved it. But Kimber had already suffered so much, she wouldn't have to die for revenge, not when I could do it for her. The death I would receive at Baraska was a death I didn't deserve. An honorable one. I could live with that. 
And then one day, Kimber got a call from the front desk while I was in the shower. The package had arrived, and it wasn't there to intercept the front desk from letting her know. I hated hiding anything from her, especially now. But I knew that if she found out about the mysterious package, she may realize that I was planning something without her. Is he going to suicide bomb? Is it I don't know. When I don't I, know if we're supposed to know. Can you ship that with UPS? Yeah, for, you can ship explosives, yeah. They don't, they don't give a shit. I mean, it'll, it'll detonate before The hacker it picked it up on eBay and just sent it, <laughs> sent it to him. When I came out of the bathroom, the package was sitting on my bed, unopened. Kimber was draped casually over the armchair, watching something on TV as if nothing was wrong. I could only be so lucky. I didn't comment and gently moved the box to the area between the bed and the wall, where I kept my duffel bag. I took a deep breath. I'd almost been dreading this day, because now that the package was here, things were going to start moving very quickly. Two days, I said out loud. Two days? Kimber asked without taking her eyes off from the screen. We do this shit on Wednesday. I couldn't believe I actually knew it was a Monday. It was the little things that continued to impress me. Kimber kicked her feet off the bed and sat up in the armchair. Are we really ready? She asked. We'll have to be. Our plan is solid and we're running out of money. We need to make a move. We can't just wait for them to forget we're here. Do you think we should drive a few towns over and pick up some more ammo? 460 rounds? We should, no, we should get at least 500 rounds. (laughs) No, if if we can't do it with 500 rounds, we can't do it at all. (laughs) I, I need Prescott's number so I can ask him when the sheriff will be on the mountain. I've mapped the coordinates he gave us and I'll take just under 40 minutes to get there. I'll find out. She said and pulled out her phone. No, I don't want him having access to you anymore. Once was bad enough. Sam, I can handle this. I got us this far, didn't I? Kimber, you know what that man has done. Yes, better than you do, Sam. She said bitterly. Give me the number. We stared each other down for a few minutes, both refusing to back off. Why are you trying to take me out of the equation? She asked finally. I'm not. I lied. Kimber glared at me angrily and then threw her phone at my head. Get it yourself. She sat back in her chair and watched me as I picked her phone up from the floor and imported the number into my own. I know you wouldn't leave me at this fucking hotel, Sam. She said. Of course not. I wouldn't go without you. Liar. Fine. Then I need to tell you that before we kill Jimmy, I want him to tell us where they're keeping Kyle. What? I sent the text to Prescott and then pulled the 9mm out from under my pillow where I kept it and checked the clip for the hundredth time counting the bullets. What do you mean, where they're keeping Kyle? I told you about this, but I'm not surprised you don't remember with all that China white. Kyle isn't at the Landys. He hasn't been for years. Otherwise I would have gone and got him when he first came into town. You think Sam would have been able to afford the China white? I think he's more feeling the the Bobby Brown. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Jimmy told you this? I asked. Yeah, he said he's either in a home or a care center or a hospital or something. Maybe not even in Drisking at all. Prescott wouldn't tell me. But I know he knows, and he promised to tell me if we could kill a sheriff. I assume you plan to kill Jimmy, too, and I want to know where Kyle is before you do. I nodded. I had to give her this. I would give her this. I'd make sure to beat it out of Prescott before I killed him. How to get that information to Kimber before I was gunned down, I didn't know. And I had precious little time to figure it out. My phone chimed. It was Jimmy. Who the fuck is this? Sam Walker. Where's the Destaro girl? You talk to me now. Hey, it is really you. 
Hey, it really is you. <laughs> when will the sheriff be at Baraska? Nobody calls it that, prick. When the fuck will he be there, Jimmy? Your daddy's heading up to the stables tomorrow morning. I assume he'll stay a while. Has a couple girls he really likes up there right now. You know how it is when you get a new piece. Poop emoji, poop emoji, poop emoji. <laughs> the sheriff is going up to the mine tomorrow morning and <laughs> probably... <laughs> I like... If, if I can say anything, and I said it last episode, um, Prescott is the only character who plays well, like, like, is written well, like, he has been maintained. JP is the best character in the story. Yeah. 100%. And, and he's also, like, one of the worst, you know, like, having an enthusiastic bad guy is, is a creepypasta kind of, like, thing. Yeah. But this one is played with a little bit of flourish, and I feel like he upstages if there's, if there's one thing I yeah. can say about the entire series so far, it's just that Jimmy Prescott is... Fucking JP. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but in a great way. He's great. Did, did I say all no. that? Okay. The sheriff is going up to the mine tomorrow morning and he'll probably be there for a few days, I told Kimber. Perfect. She said, but her tone betrayed her. I could hear uncertainness in her voice and fear. I wished I could tell her that she was safe and that nothing was going to happen to her, but she couldn't know that yet. We'll make our move Wednesday morning just before dawn, I said. It should be dark enough to see yet. Still maintain decent cover. Kimber nodded, then stood up and began to pace around. We need to do a lot of prep tomorrow. Figure out how many guns we can carry and how much ammunition we can fit in our pockets. Reloading takes time when you aren't trained. Well, there's 14 guns for you. 13 guns for me. <laughs> so, I'll have, like, two on my calf, two on my thighs, we should two say in, four around the waist... Two on my back. We should say three shoulder holes. At this point in Sam's recovery from being a drug addict, he is loaded. He has been drinking all day. So with the guns. I'm gonna look like a guy from the fucking Matrix. <laughs> I, I know kung fu. Reloading takes time when you aren't trained. Maybe tomorrow we can go over the firearms you'll be carrying, and I can familiarize you with how to quickly reload clips. We want to prep those early. Maybe tomorrow night. Good idea. I said as impassively as I could. I knew that by tomorrow night I would be gone. But I need to do something first. Something I had been thinking about. Ever since the dreams I had had in those throes of withdrawal. I needed to see my mom. I wanted to let her know that I was still alive. And I needed to know if she knew what her husband was doing to people. I just couldn't accept that she did, and even if that was true, I believe that my mom would never hand me over to the sheriff if she thought he could hurt me. She loved her kids too much. I looked over at Kimber and realized that today was the last day I was ever going to have with her. I needed to get her out of town, but not now. Not yet. It was our last day together and I didn't want to spend it arguing. There would be enough of that tomorrow. My phone chimed again, and I looked down to see another text from Jimmy. You finally make a move, kid? Penis. <laughs> Photo H of penis. Equal, 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 <laughs> equal, D. D. Tilda, tilde, tilde. <laughs> Chapter 11. I slept very little that night, awaking well after 11 a.m., groggy and aching. Kimber didn't say a word to me as I brewed pot after pot of stale motel coffee. We spent most of the morning and early afternoon in a stretched, uncomfortable silence. 
I thought maybe she was nervous or scared, and today was just the silence before the storm. But as the afternoon wore on, I caught her sliding calculated, angry glances across the room as she pretended to read book after book. And that's when I realized she knew. <laughs> I could just see him, like, sitting there, just, like, sipping coffee. Every once in a while, he'll, like, turn to Kimber, and she's just like, And, like, looks like, Audibly. Audibly muttering, Fuck you. Fuck you, bitch. What? I said. What? I said. You want to go? Finally ending the charade. I hadn't wanted to say it, especially like that. I'd hoped to spend a few more hours with her before the end, because I knew that from this point onward, Kimber's last memories of me would be betrayal and deceit. I braced myself for the coming fight. You left the room last night. You were gone for hours. She said. I didn't reply. There was no point in denying it. And that package you got yesterday, from Chicago? She continued. More fucking heroin? My heart cracked at the pain in her voice. Kimber was starting to understand what I was doing to her. Are you going to deny it? Kimber asked. And though her voice was angry, I heard the plea underneath. Please deny it. Please. It was drugs, wasn't it? What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you doing this, Sam? Kimber screamed, flinging her book across the room, where it hit the wall behind my head. You couldn't fucking handle it? Could you? You couldn't be there for me when it mattered more than anything in the world? You're weak, Sam. You're fucking weak. I'm sorry. I whispered. Where did you go? Where did you go last night, huh? Did you park down the street where I couldn't see, so I couldn't stop you? Kimber. You're a piece of shit, and I wish it had been you instead of Kyle. It should have been you. I'd often thought the very same, but hearing it from her hurt so much more. Me too. My quiet admission seemed to sober her. Kimber squeezed her hands together to still the anger and fear that were spawning wild electrical currents throughout her body that manifested as violent shudders. She knew this was the end, and for the first time since we crossed into Missouri, both Kimber and I were well and truly alone. We didn't even have each other anymore. We didn't have anything. Prescott won't talk to me anymore, she said more calmly this time as she tried to compose herself. Does that mean what I think it does? Yes, I answered. So you're planning to leave me behind, Sam? I took a deep breath, and then I answered her honestly. Yes. Well, that is not going to happen. I need to be there when he dies. I deserve to be there. Her voice was still dripping in acid, but she seemed to be steady. I knew Kimber was right. She did deserve to be there. In a better world, she would see him slain and watch the light leave his eyes. But I refused to risk her safety. But I refused to risk her safety. I couldn't watch Kimber die. She had suffered so much already. I need to be there to choke the truth about Kyle out of Jimmy Prescott, and I fucking will be. She stood up and whipped her long hair out of her face. When are we leaving for the mine? You'll die if you go, I said quietly, picking hair out of my mouth. I don't give a fuck, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck, Sam. We stared at each other. There was no point in challenging Kimber. She never backed down. Never. 3 a.m., I said finally. Fine. Perfect. I'm going to shower and you are going to sleep since you were gone all fucking night. Later you can shoot up the rest of the heroines so that you're useless up there, but hey, at least you'll die high. Kimber gathered her clothes and threw a contemptuous look back at me as she stomped down the little hallway to the bathroom. I studied her, hoping to remember all the details. This was the last time I'd ever see my best friend because even if I somehow lived, Kimber would never forgive me for this. But I would slay her demons for her just as I had slain mine in this very room days before. I prayed she would turn around once more, 
just once more before shutting the door. I wanted to see her face one last time, but she never did. I did forget that he had mentioned at one point that he was going to leave this world high as a kite, so I think, like... I don't think it's heroin. I'm... It's probably a play. Right. It's... It, they're probably making us think it, it is. Right. And it probably isn't, but it's still, uh... But he did say that. He right. did say that. Yeah. I had hurt her again, this time mercilessly. Everything that was left of what could have been called my soul. Oh. Everything that was left of what could have been called my soul was scorched to cinders. Thank God I didn't have much longer to live because I'd be limping across the finish line as it was. My heart and soul burned out. I stood up and placed the bread onto the bedside table. Using the cheap motel stationery, I wrote Kimber a last letter, just like her mother had ten years before. I took the car. There is a red pickup that's been parked next to us for a week. I swiped the keys. They're in the drawer. I programmed Seth's number into your phone. This is the this is the aside as it shows him vigorously writing a letter. It's like, like half half the frame like is like the letter. Only half of his and face then, is lit. Yeah, and he's like furiously scribbling with like a pen from the 1800s. The windows open into the Tuscan breeze. I programmed Seth's number into your phone. Call him when you hit the border, and he'll take you anywhere you want to go. He knows the plan, and he'll take care of you. I placed the note under the gun and prayed Kimber would need it. Nope. I placed the note... (laughs) Nope. Nope. I placed the note under the gun. I placed the note under the gun and prayed Kimber would heed it. I could taste salt and ash as I left the motel door click shut behind me and I realized that I knew the feeling well. Regret. I walked around the building and climbed into Kimber's old Mazda. I wanted to leave her her own car, but it would have been too risky to transfer the guns from the Mazda to the red pickup, especially when the Dodge's, especially when the Dodge's methed-out owner could sober up at any time. I pulled out of the parking lot and merged onto the highway going west. There was just one more errand to run before I made my final trip up the mountain. My heart sunk lower with every passing mile, and there were precious few between the Prince Ridge and my old house. And before I'd even decided if going home was a good idea, after all, I was pulling into the driveway of my old home. The house was very different than I remembered. My parents had built an addition on the dining room and had widened the windows into bays on the bottom floor. Why they felt they needed extra room when their children were dead or as good as was beyond me. It was odd to climb the familiar patio stairs and ring the bell as if I were a stranger. The chime inside was different too, more lilting and melodic. I waited a few minutes, rocking foot to foot, wondering what I would say to the woman who had raised me when she opened the door, if she opened the door. I was beginning to doubt that anyone was home. Since I had nothing left to lose anyway, I decided to try the front door. It was locked. I knocked hard on the window next to it. Mom? I said through the door. It's Sam. Nothing? Was she home? Asleep? Still locked in Whitney's room, wailing away her grief after all these years? I jumped over the patio railing and walked into the backyard. That's a good line, because the mom has never really been a character. No. She's taking a backseat to the sheriff dad, or the dad. Yeah, so like, why should we give a shit? I don't know. Out of principle? I think maybe Sam's going to be like, you'd let this happen or something? I don't know. Or it's a catalyst, like the mom isn't going to be there, but someone else is. True. My parents had built a giant wooden deck where the back porch had been, complete with hot tub and wet bar. They're certainly living it up without us, eh? I felt ire and indignation seething just below the surface, but I held it in check. 
a superpower, a superpower I had only just recently acquired. Being really fucking pissed off and petty about everything. Along with flight and heat vision. Waking up the deck, walking up the deck. <laughs> deck! <laughs> deck! It's, it's okay, it's okay. Have it's you okay. seen my mom? It's just, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> walking up the deck, I tried the sliding glass door to the kitchen. It caught on something, but with a hard yank, I was able to free it and the door slid open, allowing me access to the house. There were more upgrades inside, including mahogany floors and top-of-the-line kitchen appliances. And why not? What else was he going to do with the kid's college fund? I thought, bitterly. Ma'am? I called again and stepped over the threshold. As I waited for a response, my eyes began to wander around the room. Most of the walls hosted art of some kind, but now and again I found beautifully framed photos hung reverently among them. I went room to room studying the framed pictures, all of which were hung in the most propitious part of the wall as if in worship. And of course, all the pictures were of Whitney. Proprietus? There is a word here, and we're not... All of them were hung on the wall. You know what? All of them were hung on the fucking wall as if in worship. And of course, all the pictures were of Whitney. He will never leave her be. Never. I wanted to hit something. As I wandered through the house, I began to realize that some of the pictures were duplicates, as if my father hadn't had enough photos of Whitney to cover the entire house. There were no photos of my parents, or me. I walked upstairs, and it was more of the same. My old room housed only a flat-screen TV and a tanning bed, while Whitney's was exactly the way she left it. I couldn't bear to go into my parents' room. Everywhere I looked, I saw Whitney. No, I will not let this happen. I collected the photos from every room, foyer, and hallway, and then dumped the pictures, including glass and frame, into the deep marble sink in the kitchen. I then pulled a bottle of whiskey from the outside bar and poured it liberally over the sheriff's shrine. I took out a cigarette, lit it, and brought the lighter down through the alcohol-soaked pyre where it erupted into a pyramid of hungry flame. I put on my sunglasses and turned around and walked Fucking away walked out that slowly. goddamn house. I would burn it all. I would burn him too. While I smoked the marble... Wow, he really did. While I smoked the marble burrow and waited for the smoke alarm to trigger, I heard a familiar sound from down the hallway across the room. Someone was opening the garage. I didn't know what I would say to her, but she needed an answer for all this. I had to know what she knew about her daughter's death and her husband's crimes. I heard the door open, and then she was walking down the hallway towards the kitchen. I flicked my cigarette like a cool guy into the dying blaze and started towards her, still like a cool guy. But it wasn't my mother who emerged from the darkness. Shit! Chapter 12 Emmeline? It had taken only seconds to recognize her. Emma hadn't aged very much since we were teenagers and she looked absolutely gorgeous. But I couldn't figure out what the fuck she was doing in my house. Emmeline immediately dropped the bag she was carrying in shock and slunk back against the wall. Who are you? What are you doing in my house? She said quickly, her eyes drawn to the fire quietly burning behind me. I was going to ask you the same thing. Why are you here? What are you burning? Her voice had risen to high-pitched hysteria. What's in the sink? <laughs> what are you going to What are you doing in my house, Emma? Her eyes finally slid up to my face at the familiar use of her name. I watched hesitant recognition dawn there. Sam? Yeah. Now answer my question. Why are you in my house? Where's my mom? Your mom? <laughs> she repeated. Yeah, she lives here, you know? Tall, brunette, always trying to feed everyone, married to the sheriff. Emmeline finally seemed to regain her composure. 
She straightened up against the wall, but refused to move away from it. Actually, I'm married to the sheriff. He did mention you were in town, come to think of it. She said, You're married to my dad. My stomach heaved. Yes, for about seven years now. She crossed her arms in front of her and smirked. What had he done to her? Emmeline was never like this when we, when I'd known her. She'd been sweet and friendly and shy. It was the reason I crushed on her so hard. With a sinking feeling, I remembered that my dad had known all that because we'd spoken about my feelings for Emmeline at length. Jimmy's word came back to me unbidden from days before. Walker has a thing about playing sick games with his kids. He's probably going to try to fuck your crush. <laughs> I turned and threw up in the sink, dowsing what little fire now remained in the pile of ash and twisted glass. That's revolting. What were you burning in my sink? She asked again. Where's my mother? I asked, spitting out the last of the bile. She died years ago, less than a year after you run out of town. Emma said. She was beginning to sound... She was beginning to sound annoyed and bored. My mother's dead. Yes, dead. Emma clipped. It was almost a relief. If my mom had been gone for so long, it meant that she hadn't been a part of any of this. But the pain was lurking there, too. I could only hope that her death had been natural, because if it hadn't been, all I had was the prayer that the sheriff had shown mercy to his wife of 22 years. I am his wife now! Emma's shrill voice cut through the fog of grief that had surrounded me. How did she die, I asked. I don't remember. Emmeline rolled her eyes. It was so long ago, but it's not like you were here, so what do you care? You need to get out of here, Emma. He's dangerous. She scoffed. <sighs> my husband would never hurt me. I'm the mother of his child. He loves me. You have a kid? With my dad? Yes. She smiled. She's at daycare right now. And she's his whole world. No one else compares, not even you. Oh, really? No one else compares? What's her name, Emma? I asked. Emmeline faltered, and the smile on her face turned to snide. I'm not telling you that. What is her name? She shrugged. What'd you burn in my sink? I burned every picture of Whitney Walker that was in this house. Emmeline's eyes widened and her face paled almost immediately. You can't. You, you didn't. She stuttered. Yes, every picture of Whitney is gone. He doesn't have backups of those photos. She breathed. He'll come after you. He'll kill you. Not if I kill him first. Emmeline pulled a phone out from her back pocket and began scrolling through numbers. She laughed, but it was disingenuous, high-pitched and nervous. <laughs> he'll kill you. He'll kill you when I tell you... He'll kill you when I tell him what you've done. You tell the sheriff I'm coming for him. I nodded at her as she dialed. Emmeline pulled her phone up to her ear. I didn't try to stop her. It was too late now anyway. My eyes flicked back to the sink. I couldn't hide this. The sheriff knew I was in town. He probably even knew that what I was here for, but if Jimmy Prescott could be believed, he didn't know that I knew where to find him. And that was the only thing I had going for me. That and the prayer that the sheriff wouldn't come tearing down out of the mountains when he found out what I did. I needed him there where it all begun. Emma was moving slowly toward the back door, no doubt ready to bolt as soon as she reached it. The line suddenly connected, and Emmeline began speaking very quickly. Send everyone to the house. He's- Before she could get another word out, Emma was suddenly on her back on the ground, her phone spinning across the floor toward my foot. K-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-
timber had come through the sliding door so fast I didn't even realize what had happened until I saw the mess of red hair on top of a screaming Emma. The line was still connected, so I smashed the phone under my heel of the boot. So I smashed the phone under the heel of my boot. By the time I looked back toward Emmeline, Kimmer already had a Beretta jammed under Emma's skull. Say another word, Adler, and I'll put a bullet through your skull. Emmeline whimpered. Where is Sam's mom? My throat tightened. She's... I wasn't talking to you. Kimber yelled at me. Adler? She's... she's dead. Emma whispered. How? Kimber asked. I don't know. It was a car accident, I think, or something with a car. I'm sorry. I don't remember. I'm a victim like you. Kimber let go of Emma and she scrambled back against the wall. Her disposition changed as soon as she was freed. Gone was the scared, wilting flower from moments before Emma was once again the mistress of the house. She smiled coolly. But of course, I'm a survivor. And it's Walker now. Emma cooed. You both are so dead when my husband finds you. Kimber turned and cracked Emma over the head with the butt of the gun. She fell face first onto the rug she was kneeling on. We gotta go, I said, taking Kimber's arm. Get off me! She screamed and jerked away from my grasp. Kimber gave me a fiery look and then held out her hand. Keys! No, you need to get out of this town immediately, Kimber, I said. She pointed the Beretta at my chest. Now. I hesitantly handed them over to her and she whirled out the door. I followed her to the Mazda where she tore open the driver's side door and got in. The red pickup was parked haphazardly on the front yard, grass torn up under its tires and driver door hanging open. I walked up to the Mazda as Kimber scowled at me, but didn't get in. Kimber, I'd rather be dead than take you with me up to the mine, I told her through the open window. Her hands flexed white-knuckled on the steering wheel. Don't make me leave you here, she said as the far-off sirens of police cruisers began to creep into the neighborhood. Fuck! I yelled. Did Kimber always get her way? Before my door was even shut, Kimber was screeching out of the driveway. She made record time back to the highway, but the sirens continued to grow louder behind us. They're chasing us, Kimber. Where the fuck are you going? You know where Baraska is, and I don't. You're not going to tell me, are you? No, I said in a low voice. No. Then there's only one place to go. She said, and before I realized where she was going, we were already there. She pulled up into the back lot of Prince Ridge Parked and walked straight into our hotel room, which she hadn't even bothered to lock on her way out. I ran after her, locking the hotel door behind me. They, they knew we're here. We have to get out now. Kimber fell into the armchair and began spinning the key, car keys on her finger. I knew you would go to your mother's. Even when you're high, you're not stupid enough to make a run at Baraska in the daylight. I'm not high, I said. Kimber shrugged. You hide it well. And anyway, how can I believe anything you say? You've lied to me at every turn. I've lied? You kept everything from me. Only what I didn't trust you with. And I agree that you were right. I was a liability, and I'm sorry for that. It kills me to even think about the danger I put you in. But you need to admit the reason you're really here. Let me take care of the rest. I can do that now, and I want to. I know what my life is buying. I want to help, Sam. She pleaded. I want Nebraska gone and those men dead. I know you do, but that's not why you're here. You're here because of Kyle. I'm not saying that's wrong, Kimber, but... I am here for Kyle, okay? I never pretended I wasn't, but I want to see Baraska exposed, too. The sirens were getting nearer, and we were no closer to getting out of the room, Kimber sighed. It's clear that that's never going to happen. I thought we might be able to get the records, but I don't know how to find them. These fuckers are going to die with their good names. 
But at least they'll die, right? Yes, they will die. We had finally agreed on something. And you're not going up there alone for some suicidal showdown. Got it? She demanded. I clenched my teeth. The time for lies was over, but I couldn't agree to this. The sirens suddenly cut off. They're here. Kimber, I warned. Come on out, son. We know you and your girlfriend are holed up in that room. The megaphone was coming from the other side of the building. They think we're still in 209. Kimber whispered as if they could hear her. It was the break we needed. Get your shit and get in the car. I said, Kimber gave me a wary look. We can argue later. Let's just get the fuck out of here, Kimber. If they catch us, no one makes a run of Nebraska. She nodded, still looking distrustful, but slung her back over her shoulder and quietly opened the door. I prayed they had yet to surround the whole building. I grabbed my duffel bag and followed Kimber out, quietly closing the door behind me. Come on now, Samuel. Don't make us come into this crack den after you. Come out real nice and obedient so we can bring you to your daddy. He's really looking forward to seeing you and wants to spend some quality father and son time. We threw our bags into the back seat and climbed in the car. I waited to hear the megaphone again before I risked turning the engine over. This time, a different voice was spoken. Samuel Walker, you are a wanted suspect in the felony assault of Kyle Landy. If you resist arrest, we may have to hurt you. The sheriff really wouldn't like that, so don't make our jobs more difficult. Where are we going? Kimber asked. Just away from here. We have to lose them. Knowing that they would spot the Mazda immediately, I decided our only hope was to gun it and light up the highway. The tires screeched as we shot out of the parking lot, headed straight for the freeway on-ramp. There were few places to hide, and I realized our best shot was one of the forest roads we knew so well. I risked a glance in the rearview mirror as we hit on the on-ramp. The deputies had been caught off guard by our sudden appearance from the back of the building, and were only just taking their cruisers out of park as we merged onto the highway. Oh shit, is that them? The pedal was on the floor, and it was... Well, those guys are going fast. Wow. I don't imagine that those are the people we should ch- We should go after them. You think? Yeah, probably. Uh, That's what we're here for. Uh, I don't feel like... Uh, the, pedal, the pedal was on the floor and was taking all of my concentration to keep the car stable in the gently falling snow. I knew there was a strong possibility that they would catch us since their cars were a lot faster than ours. Kimber, hand me the gun. No. She said without looking away from the side mirror. I'm a better shot than you. She was probably right. I hadn't shot a gun since before I went to prison. The highway began to curve, and I knew that this was my only blind spot for miles. The one chance to make a move they wouldn't see. Instead of pulling off to the right and heading up the gently inclined forest inlet, I cut the wheel and careened over the snow-covered highway divider, across oncoming traffic, and up the steeper, more challenging access road to the left. I prayed our tire tracks wouldn't be visible to them with the moderate holiday traffic kicking up slush over them. The snow was falling softly through the trees as we climbed the mountain road, and I knew that if we were going to make it to somewhere less vulnerable, we couldn't stop. The snowfall would only get heavier. Chapter 14 Kimber remained focused on the road behind us throughout our ascent. It was slow going at times, and we got stuck every mile or two. I wonder if Kimber could even get the car back down in the morning. There seemed to be no fear in her, no anxiety in her voice, no agitation in her movements. Kimber knew as well as I did that this was the end, and she didn't hesitate to meet it. Finally, I saw what I was looking for, a turn off to a more level road that would move us laterally around the mountain. I took the corner and drove a mile and a half down the road before finally putting the car in park. Kimber turned around in her seat and stared out the back window. They're not following us, I said. How do you know? Because I've been followed before. Kimber turned back around in her seat and chewed on her thumbnail. 
But just because we're not being followed doesn't mean we can go back, I said. They're not going to let us off this mountain. I choked on a deep breath of thin mountain air, hoping to calm my racing heart. Kimber patted my back. Breathe, Sam. She leaned forward and popped her glove compartment open, took out a large, folded paper target. Why do you keep that in your car, I asked. Kimber shrugged. Practice. She opened the door and stepped out into the snow. I followed her. You think they're following us, and you want to shoot a gun out here, I said. You said we weren't being followed. I trust you. She gave me a small smile, as if she hadn't said anything significant. Kimber trusted me. It was a bittersweet victory that wouldn't last long. Come on. She said. You need to learn how to shoot. Use the Beretta since you favor it so much. Honestly, I just thought it looked cool. I admitted. It does, and it sounds cool too. Have you ever shot a firearm before? Once, but I didn't hit anything. Well, that's not going to be acceptable up here. We have a lot of ammunition, but it's not going to help us if you can't hit anything. Couldn't argue with that. Now the sheriff is probably going to be wearing a vest, so you can't aim at the body mass. You'll need to hit him in the head. Same with Jimmy and anyone else that shoots at you. Okay, I said as if we weren't discussing murdering cops. Kimber walked 20 yards away and pinned the target to a tree branch. Now the Beretta is a semi-automatic gun, so you won't need to chamber every cartridge. Just point and shoot in succession. Right, I said. You don't need to rack the slide because there's already a bullet in the firing chamber. Your left foot should be in front of your right and shoulder length apart. Hold the gun with both hands. Good. Now align the sights and fix on the target. Squeeze the trigger whenever you're ready. The shot was louder than I expected. An echo through the mountains for almost three seconds. Well, if they didn't know we were here already, they do now. Not bad. Kimber said as she walked up to the target. You hit the very outside circle. Let me correct your stance a little. We worked through the afternoon in similar form, taking a lot of time between each shot. I would fire the gun, Kimber would adjust me or give me advice, and then I would try again. With each progressive squeeze of the trigger, I got a little closer to the center of the target. She worked with me until the sun had sunk far into the horizons and the shadows. Gotta believe when the going gets rough, you gotta <laughs> act tough to make Fucking it. Fucking no. History repeats itself, John, you will succeed. <laughs> Never doubt that you're the one, and you can have a dream. You're the best. All right. <laughs> They're having a montage right now. No! <laughs> Not again I'll bring you down! <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> they had a montage. They had a montage. From sun, sun up to they had sun a, down. They had a shooting montage. And the montage ends with somebody in the mountains calling the police about these shots that are happening in the fucking backwoods. And they get arrested and they I'm get sorry, killed. We've heard like 300 shots coming <laughs> from up the mountain and there's a lot of music and a lot of cheering. And so I, can only, I can only imagine a lot of eye contact and a lot of nodding and I'm not okay with Somebody's that. screaming, you're the best around. <laughs> and then you can hear them pausing to take shots with what sounds like a handgun. <laughs> and they're saying pew pew every time they do it. You need to come here right now. With each progressive squeeze of the trigger, I got a little closer to the center of the target. She worked with me until the sun had sunk far into the horizon, and the shadows were too long to decipher from each other. I was beginning to shiver, and the sun was cold. I know you're freezing, but this is the perfect amount of light to practice in. You're still leaving at 3 a.m., right? Yes. But, Kimber, I can't have you out there. You know that, right? Why do you think I'm teaching you to shoot? You're gonna let me go alone? Do I have a choice? No. 
Kimber shrugged. Then I guess I have to. It was too easy. Deceptively easy. We both know she didn't mean it, but I, I didn't want to argue. Okay, so let's be logical. Couldn't she hole up somewhere else with a rifle and just back him up from a distance? Hmm. <clears throat> Is it because we're not being logical? We're not being logical. Okay. Great. You got the best! Hurrah! <laughs> that used to be my uh, my morning alarm to wake up. <laughs> it was like, Did it ruin the song? Um, A little bit. Okay. Because my mornings were never great, but it, it did make me start with a little bit of vigor. A little so pep. I would like hear it start and I would be like, here we go again. <laughs> I just roll out of bed. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Get low, <laughs> like I taught you, and try to hit the birch tree again. I'm going to go get the SIG so I can show you how to use a rifle. I eyed the white bark of the far-off birch through the sights. I was determined to hit the trunk this time. Even though I knew I wouldn't have the luxury of taking time to line up my shots at the mine, I needed to learn how to use them properly if I was going to have any kind of chance at success. I exhaled slowly and brought my finger down to wrap around the trigger. Sam, stop! <gasps> I turned around to see Kimber, standing at the trunk of her car. Her face, which had been flushed from the cold for the last hour, had gone white as the snow she was standing in. What's wrong? It's gone. What's gone? I asked in confusion. All of it. What? I walked over next to Kimber and stared into the trunk. All that remained was one bulletproof vest and a scribbled piece of yellow legal paper. We know all you have on you is one semi-automatic handgun. We're leaving you this ballistic vest to show you that we play fair. Your daddy wants to see you. Come to us before we come to you. Coordinates below. The good guys. Your P.S. Your vehicle has been lowjacked, courtesy of the Butler County Sheriff's Department. They just won. Kimber said in a defeated sort of bewilderment. And she was right. We were absolutely fucked. No, I said. Maybe we can still... Kimber slapped my face. She seemed to immediately regret it, as if she had surprised herself, but she carried on anyway. Don't be an idiot, Sam. Kimber jerked the 9mm out of my hand and checked the clip. It was empty. You don't have anything on. You don't have anything on you? Nothing? I asked in cold fear. I could work with very little, but I couldn't work with nothing at all. Nothing. Said Kimber, said Kimber as she racked the slide. <laughs> Except this. A bullet sprung out of the chamber and fell into the thin layer of snow below where it sunk. I fell on my knees to retrieve it. One bullet, we're gonna... We're going to do this. We're, this is where we're going. One, one bullet for for make, one man. Make it count. <laughs> <laughs> we would have probably failed with a thousand bullets, but with only one, I might as well just put it in my own head. <laughs> when could they have done this? I was beginning to panic. I don't know. After we did our inventory days ago. Fuck. Fuck. How'd they know what we were carrying on us? They've probably been watching us, Kimber said. Or Jimmy told them. I shook my head wildly, unable or unwilling to comprehend our current situation. I couldn't get control of my fear. We needed to sit. We needed to thin. Get in the car, I said finally. We need to get in the car and go to the gym. We need to get thin. <laughs> we need to get fit. You're the best. <laughs> no, it's ruined. Montage ruined. We wasted all of our fucking ammo. We shut the doors and I turned on the engine. 
blasting the hot air into the cab. We ran it for 20 minutes, but nothing seemed to dissipate the cold. Maybe we should just leave. Kimber's voice wobbled when she finally spoke. Her shock was melting into hopelessness. Come back in another 10 years. I didn't want to tell her that we couldn't leave. They were tracking the car. They knew exactly where we were. They always had. All roads down the mountain were already blocked. All roads now led to Baraska. I think this is the last part we're reading today. I think we're stopping at cool. 16. Yeah. Oh, perfect. All right. So, I'm going to take chapter 15. This is going to be the last one we're reading today. Finish strong. I pulled off my jacket and shoved it behind my lower back, which was beginning to throb in pain. Kimber was in and out of sleep, and I occasionally turned off the car to conserve gas, making sure to cover her with all the clothes I could find in our duffel bags. It was midnight, the woods were quiet, There's no moonlight to reveal what surrounded the car. We were enveloped by empty, black, ice-cold air. Can we pause here and do another popular segment on Latsabasa? Which is where... Popular segment. Where Django says, hey, don't do this part of the story in real life, because this is dumb. Kids, don't sleep in a car in winter, um, because if snow falls while you're sleeping, it will cover up your tailpipe. And then carbon monoxide will get into the cabin of the car, and you will die. That's good. I was cold and tired and in pain. I needed to wait until a few hours before dawn to start my trek to the mine, and the walk to Baraska would be around two and a half hours from where we were. Whatever happened to Jimmy telling him that they don't fucking call it that anymore? <laughs> I love that line. It's like, no one fucking calls it that, you stupid... Asshole. It's like, the mine, bro. It's not, we don't call it Uparaska. That was oh. a word created by children that no one ever used. Oh, guys, do you want to go to Baraska and rape some women? <laughs> Baraska. You fucking nerd. <laughs> I had to make, I had to make, I left Kimber enough, great. I had, to, I had to make sure I left Kimber enough gas to get down the mountain and out of town. Because as soon as the sheriff was dead or I was they would be looking for her. I watched her sleep and wondered at the madness of the world. We should all have lived normal lives, graduated together, went to college, been roommates, backpacked Europe, but none of that could ever happen now. And what cruel irony it was that Kimber was more of a sister to me than she had ever been to Kyle. Hot sister. The universe was just a big fucking asshole. I rubbed my eyes and debated braving cold outside for a cigarette. I had 14 left and was planning to smoke them all before I reached the mine. I didn't mean what I said. I jumped a little, and Kimber laughed softly. I didn't know you were awake. Who can sleep? She groaned. Good fucking point. Kimber sat up and pushed 20 pounds of clothes off of her. I noted the time and started the car. I didn't mean it when I said about wishing it had been you instead of Kyle. Don't worry about it. I said, shifting uncomfortably in my seat. I wish the same thing. No, Sam. Kimber grabbed me by the sides of my head and pulled me to where she rested her forehead against mine. There is no one I would rather have by my side tomorrow. And I know you don't want me there, but I will be. To the very end. With Kimber holding me the way she was, there was no way for me to hide my wet eyes. I pulled my head back and wiped my face with a ratty flannel sleeve. Emotions were so much more overwhelming when you felt all of them. Without responding to her, I opened the door and stepped out into the piercing morning. My stomach. 
<laughs> That's not the line. Emotions were so much more overwhelming when he felt all of them. Without responding to her, I opened the door and stepped out into the piercing morning. Mountain air. I keep fucking it up. Without responding to her, I opened the door and stepped out into the piercing mountain air. I closed the door, leaned against it, and dug into my pocket with a shaking hand. I'd left my parka in the car in my haste to get out of it, but I wasn't going back now. My new mantra echoed through my mind again. One bullet. <laughs> One. <laughs> One bullet. <laughs> I heard the passenger door open and turned in time to catch the park of Kimber thrown at me. You idiot, she said. Get back in the car, it's freezing. Oh, no. She, I got it. <laughs> Get back in the car, it's freezing. You think? She said sarcastically. I took a long drag off my cigarette and felt the nicotine begin to work its magic. I needed to stay calm. One bullet, Kimber. I pulled my parka around my shoulders. And a bulletproof vest. She added. Yeah. Actually, it's more bullet-resistant, depending on where you get sh- what you get shot with. Nothing's really bulletproof, am I right? I gave her an icy glare. Well, I didn't know that, but thanks. Sorry. She said with chattering teeth. It's fine. It doesn't matter. They'll probably just shoot me in the head anyway. Are you almost done? Because it's fucking freezing out here. Don't you want to get some sleep? I'll sleep plenty soon enough. I thought morbidly. Not really. <laughs> I flicked the cigarette away and followed his amber glow to where it settled in the fresh, still-falling snow. We climbed back into the car and checked the time. Four more minutes and I won't have to shut the engine off again. I know you think I should stay. So tell me, what would I do after you leave? Kimber asked as she laid both of her hands over the air vents. Wait until you hear gunfire. As soon as you do, get the hell off of this mountain. If you haven't heard anything by 6am, leave anyway ditch the car about three miles down and walk out. Don't follow me down the road. Just keep going downhill. Call Seth as soon as you get the signal. Kimber nodded. Interesting. And how will I know what happened to you? I'll contact you, or... or I won't. We both knew it would likely be the latter. The chances that I would get shot off, especially one that my father was expecting, were less than 1%. But I knew... They wouldn't let us off the mountain until one of us was dead. I just hoped it would be the sheriff. I checked the time and turned off the car. How far is Braska from here? She asked. A couple of hours. Uh. Kimber buried herself under half the errant clothing and threw the other half over me. You know I could just follow you, right? I know. I could already see my breath and the car hadn't been off for ten seconds. And unless you tell me an acceptable plan... Unless I truly believe you can live through this without me, I'm going to follow you. You can't. Kimber, I need to stop being a selfish little shit and sacrifice something for once in my life. And you, you've lost too much already. But I need to do this, Sam. I won't watch you die. I fucking won't let that happen. Don't you think you're being selfish right freaking now? My death isn't yours to decide. I've gotten us this far and I've been preparing for this for so long. You can't go without me. Let me do this for you, Kimber. My monsters are dead. I killed them. I'm clean. I can do this. I, I'll find out the truth about Kyle and where he is, and then I'll call you. I, I know Baraska has signal because Emma called the sheriff there. Maybe he'll go easy on you. Maybe his guard will be down since you're his son. You're the only son he has and all. I didn't correct her. I doubt it. 
We did burn all of his daughter's photos and pistol whip his wife. Worth it. Kimber said. Ah, uh, but what do you mean about Whitney's photos? Trust me, you're better off not knowing. Kimber sighed. One gun, one bullet, one vest. We need a motherfucker of a plan. Yeah, we do. And I need to be a part of it. Fuck, no, Kimber. I'm not backing down from this. Neither am I. Look. If I can come up with something that gives me a reasonable chance of not dying, will you agree to assist from afar? I'm listening, but you should expect me to argue. Trust me, I do. And argue is what we did deep into the crisp morning hours. Before I was ready to... The clock showed 3 a.m. I turned off the car and threw everything I could spare for the walk to Baraska over Kimber's sleeping form. The cold would wake her soon enough. I equipped myself with everything I needed, closed the door quietly behind me, and started off alone toward Baraska. Thoughts on the plan? This is what I think it's they're going to do. It's pretty great. It's a great plan. Uh, this is what I think. no way anything can go wrong. This is their plan. You know like in Blazing Saddles, where they make that fake town? Yeah. That's what they're going to do. They're going to make a fake western town. Yeah. In Baraska. Uh-huh. And then the the sheriff is going to come, and he's going to be like, oh my god, look at what you've done to the place. And he's going to remember that once he was a child, and he didn't think about raping anybody. And he's going to be like, you know what? I have done so many bad things, and then an alien's going to burst through his chest. <laughs> and he's going to go, <laughs> It's uh, the ending no one sees coming, and yet perfect to summarize all of my feelings. And then the author is going to write four more parts about the alien invasion of Braska. <laughs> Braska up your aska. The colon, colon, the colon, the colon. The colon. <laughs> the, it's colon, the colon, semicolon, the colon. Braska. This fucking story, dude. <laughs> it's Baraska IX, where were parts six, seven, and eight? Don't fucking worry about it. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to understand the fatigue that you had mentioned um, as you were contemplating storming out of the basement <laughs> the minute I brought this up to you <laughs> to, to read. Um, when we sat down, we initially had a discussion on how they would jump the shark with this pretty much, yeah. you know, this entire fucking story. Yeah. And um, my, my, the last couple weeks had led to a little bit of like trepidation that the whole like, uh, like John Wick ending was never going to happen. Like I, I would have rather, you know, like a Kill Bill thing happen for the entire ending part. Like, Sam runs into Kimber, but he's pretty much alone the entire time. He hunts down key members who ruined Mm -hmm. his childhood, kills them one by one until he works his way up top. Could be a really cool revenge, you know, horror type of thing. That's what I thought we were working for. I thought it would have been a little bit more in theme. Yeah. For that to happen, because yeah. um, everyone lo- loves a good revenge story. Right. Um, that's not what we have. What we have is. It, what do we have? What do we have, Death? It 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 is arguably more in tune with the original story by being kind of illogical and surprising. Yeah. 
the fact that we keep assuming things are going to happen and then they don't and then they go a different way. Like, I mean, I did call it that the mom wasn't going to be in the house and it was going right. to be a catalyst for someone else to be there. But we really didn't know, you know, what depths things were going to go to. I think a lot of what we could consider plot points are just kind of red herrings at this point. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter that... Yeah they took all of the guns, everything that we had been talking about to this point, because we knew there never was going to be a, a matrix lobby shooting. Yeah. Right. It was never going to be the tower scene, right. you know, like they, but it's almost trite that it's one gun, one bullet, one vest. Um, some would argue too trite. Yeah. Detrimentally trite. Yes. I would argue. I would say I would say that again right now. <laughs> Detrimentally trite. Some would say that's ridiculous. <laughs> you mean the Western <laughs> showdown? St- yeah. Oh my! What if they got there and then they and then a guy in like a wig comes out and he's like, "Now lads, take take ten paces away from I each swear other. Swear to God. Hold your pistols up to the sky, and on the tenth pace, turn around and see." Who, and who is here to represent you? If they go into, like, 1700s dueling... We're gonna have a scene where, like, there's, like, 17 police SUVs, 20 cruisers, and, like, people pile out with, like, rifles and, like, right And here. Sam just walks up. And Sam's dad is like, everyone, fall back. Literally everyone in this 150-person police force, just fall back. Because this is way more important. This little, uh, duel that I'm gonna have with my son. And, yeah, that's what's gonna happen. Do you think he's miraculously going to land a shot on his father based off of one day montage training to, to be a good shooter? I don't. Okay. But um, to give the author some credit, because I know I always <laughs> I rag the person who wrote We this. rag on everyone who wrote Braska is actually fine. It's, it's above average in terms of what we've read. It's just not great, but it is still, I think, above the, uh, the high watermark. Um, I don't know what happened with the package. And I think we'll see a return of the package. Ah, right. I we haven't bomb. talked about the package. Bomb. I think bomb. Bomb. I think I think Sam's gonna pull the cord and be like, Sayonara suckers. And then Kimber's gonna be watching and like see the giant explosion and be like, <gasps> and then that's how we, you know. Is Prescott gonna be there? Do all mm. of our problems get solved by this bomb? Maybe, or maybe better, I would like this better if there was like, if there was a neat little epilogue. Or Jimmy Prescott's like, he moved in as sheriff. He's like setting up his office. Someone comes to see his office and he realizes, oh my God, his secretary's gone out. And then it's like Kimber. She walks in with like a fucking machete. She's like, what up, JP? And like <laughs> slice cuts, and cuts his head off. <laughs> yeah, that'd be better. Um, I think anything would be better than what we're expecting right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Remember guys, one bullet. One bullet, one vest. One bullet. One scotch, one, bullet. one whiskey, one beer, one ice cube. <laughs> so uh, this was episode one hundred and thirty-one uh, with Django Phillips. Django, and uh, we are. Still... You never know how long it's going to be. One day it's going to be thirty minutes long. Are you ready for that? Mm, Uninterrupted. That's not going to happen. Uh, it is. impossible. Because I'm going to do that cyclical breathing, where you breathe through your nose while you're exhaling. Like the monks. Like trumpet players. 
or trumpet players. Yep. And um, but one bullet. One bullet. Next Two time. Man. Final. Final episode. Three cars. Baraska. Four babies. <laughs> five mills. Six swans a swimming. Oh my god! Could you imagine like a far off sequel to Baraska at some point where it's just baby mills in like every state? Every no. single city has mm-hmm. a baby mill. Yeah, it's like the Purge Four baby mill time. <laughs> And there was already a Purge 4, I'm pretty sure. Purge 5. There's a baby mill in every city. Jordan oh, Peele directs purge? this high-paced, no. high-pulse, no, pounding I, action thriller. I have to end the episode before you... Starring Robert Downey Jr. Oh, no, as a man in every single city who discovers a dark and twisted secret. There are baby mills everywhere. He only has 48 hours to save the love of his life, played by Betty White. Before he expires from a heroin overdose. Can he do it? Will he save him? Also, he's black. Also, he has to confront his blackness. Jordan Peele, get out. Purge 5, Baby Mill. Dun-dun. This summer. Dun-dun. You know what I am thinking about ending the show now that I think about <laughs> Let's just shut the whole thing down. Let's just shut the whole, <laughs> shut the whole show down. I think Take that's smart. Everything. I've said that from episode one. I think I think this whole show just should shut, be shut down. Shut the, just, shut, shut, just shut the door. Shut the end. Shut it down. Two to the one, one to the three. I like the pussy and I like the tree. Smoke so much weed she wouldn't believe. And I get more ass than a toilet seat. Three to the one, one to the three. I met a bad bitch last night in the D.